0: So when I embrace that grey and get more comfortable in the grey, I'm a lot more relaxed, I'm a lot more lot more fun, I have a lot more fun, I'm probably a lot more fun to be around too.
1: <laughs> Welcome to Inside the Comfort Zone. You're listening to the podcast that redefines personal and professional development, guiding the hustle and burnout generation to handle change with ease, so that they can live their best life. And my name is Adam Kowalik. Someone or something is broken. A person, a system, a society. And you might think it needs fixing. Why? What is our obsession with fixing things? I interviewed Mark Stalegrave, uh, who works as a leadership and agile coach, helping equip leaders to approach work and life with more verve and vitality. Mark and I belong to the same group of people who are part of Sarah Cruz's Humane Marketing Circle and Movement, bringing more humanness to business. And during one of the calls, Mark shared with the whole group this profound statement that you don't have to fix things in order to grow. This, as I'm sure you know, is my cup of tea. And I reached out to Mark and asked if he'd be willing to come on my podcast and have a conversation about fixing things, black and white thinking, and
0: acceptance. It's interesting when you think about our condition as human human beings where we're so focused on things that are broken, right? What's wrong? And we kind of lose sight of the, of the human component of it, which is we're meant to be imperfect, right? And the fact that, that we're, we're not in need of, of being fixed and that we're, we're not actually broken um, is something that I've has you know, been part of my journey, right? I continually think about the fact that I am not broken. Our minds
1: love labeling things and putting things into boxes. Why? The mind's primary directive is to protect, to keep us alive. And the subdirective of that is to predict, which helps to protect. If the mind can accurately predict danger or other forms of threats, it can more efficiently carry out its prime directive to protect us. Take something as simple as energy conservation. Conserving energy for the organism is a good thing. It increases the likelihood of having sufficient levels of energy to be used if something unpredicted happens. And one is suddenly in need of an escape. And when we label things and we put things in boxes making things more black and white. It helps the mind to save energy. It won't have to think too hard on what that thing is or what those things means. Whether people like that are good or not, whether a situation like that is usually enjoyable or not, whether a first impression is accurate or not. The mind is spared from having to exert more energy than necessary when it can jump to conclusions relying on labels and categorization, like black or white, not grey. A black and white thinking risks oversimplifying at times complex issues and can lead to polarisation and even extremism. Black and white thinking prevents compromise and cooperation and will make it difficult to see the other perspectives and find common ground. Schneider and Fatemi, an American psychologist and an Iranian psychologist who worked together on the problem of intergroup hostility, identified polarised thinking as the biggest single threat to peace between nations and cultures. Black and white thinking are a pair of opposite extremes without gradation in between. We all do it at times, thinking black and white, and to what degree that we do this is what can be detrimental to the satisfaction and happiness of our lives. I asked Mark about his thoughts on black and white thinking
0: and what's beyond it. We often see things in in black and white. You either... Got an A plus if you're in school, or you failed. Right? There's there's no in between, and and uh, and so the the idea of accepting the fact that there is something more than the black and white. You know, recognizing, accepting, noticing. That there is a gray area. There's a huge expanse of gray in the middle. And if we can embrace that gray, I would argue that we have a lot more fulfillment in our own lives. Um, we'll We'll get more acceptance. Uh, we'll give ourselves more acceptance. And we're recognizing that there isn't something that needs to be fixed. just because it wasn't in the black or the or the white doesn't mean it's broken. doesn't mean it needs to be fixed. The fact that it's in the middle, is, is incredible.
1: Black and white thinking gives a distorted picture of reality, since few things simply are black or white. And this cognitive style prevents people from being aware of the full possibilities available to them, giving them an oversimplified understanding of both other people and the self. And you're left with the need to make either or choices when there are actually many options in between. If you observe someone's behaviour and you make the snap judgment of it meaning something bad, then you're failing to empathise. Putting yourself in the other person's shoes and you're not able to maintain perhaps a healthy and respectful relationship towards that person. If you take mental health, for example, and if you were to look at mental health in a black or white thinking, then you might recognise just two states whole or broken, and as a result, any mental state other than a peak state, no matter how slight, will reject yourself from the good category and label you in the bad category. Another related cognitive state that might become involved in this way of thinking is the popular growth and fixed mindset as discovered by Carol Dweck. The growth mindset believes that abilities and intelligence can be developed through practice, persistence and dedication. Challenges are seen as opportunities for growth and learning, seeing failure as a chance to learn and improve. The fixed mindset believes that abilities and intelligence are innate and cannot be developed. Challenges are avoided since failure is seen as a reflection of ability. Giving up when faced with obstacles and challenges is also more common. I am making this connection because in my experience, when you have a strong either-or, win-or-lose, all-or-nothing, black-or-white thinking, it can hinder you from growing and reaching your dreams. Take, for example, the all-or-nothing thinking, which can become rather prevalent when trying to adopt a new habit. There's a well-known phenomenon when you open up a bag of crisps, only to have a few, but then you finish the whole bag thinking, I might as well. Other times when you do something that is counterproductive to your new habit, your all-or-nothing mind swings to, what's a crap, I've already done this, so I might as well do the whole thing. And if you instead could apply a more nuanced and graded approach, you might catch yourself and prevent yourself from finishing the whole bag of crisps and spending the rest of the day feeling guilty about it. Perfectionism is another cognitive distortion that involves black and white thinking. In areas like work and school, perfectionists only recognise two levels of performance. Perfection and failure. Therefore, any flaw in their work, regardless of how minor, is seen as placing their performance in the bad category. When talking to Mark, he told me that he often refers to himself as a recovering perfectionist, and what a more helpful perspective that he
0: has adopted. I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> you know, I, I have. I'm a recovering perfectionist. I like things done well. Um, and and um, you know, as it, part of that that journey of of recovering from that that perfectionist tendency, I've had to I've had to look at myself and and realize that I'm not broken, right? There's nothing wrong with me. And if I if I do something, quote unquote, imperfectly, it's actually perfectly. Perfect to quote Brene Brown, um, and recognizing that that's the case for other people as well. A, a slightly different perspective on on the, that that might be that um, you know, just because we might look at things in a different way, then you know that we don't all look at things the same way. If we look at things in a different way, that doesn't mean that we're broken. It doesn't mean that we need to be to be fixed. All it means is that. We're human and we have different perspectives.
1: Living with a black and white picture of a world containing many shades of gray can be challenging. However, there is a better way. The first step towards thinking flexibly is to recognize when your thinking has become black or white. Once you've become aware of this type of thinking, you can begin to question its accuracy and usefulness. It is important to recognize that most things in life are not black and white, but rather fall somewhere in between, what can be called the grey area. By challenging yourself to see the nuances and complexities of situations, you can develop a more sophisticated and accurate understanding of the world around you. This can lead to greater self-awareness, improved relationships, and a more satisfying and fulfilling life. One way to adopt an openness to the grey area is to entertain different opinions and ideas that might run counter to your own in order to stretch your typical polarizing and categorizing and predictive mind, which can help you avoid getting stuck on either side of the polar opposite. Here's an example of engaging the grey areas. Aristotle argued, being a coward overpowered by fear fear or being reckless and oblivious to fear isn't helpful. What is more virtuous and helpful is the middle way of courage. The conscious act of courage despite fear or risk. Not either or, but both and. Using both and helps stretch your mind. You can hold two emotions at the same time, thus mixing them into a more nuanced truth. For example, my partner won't listen to me, and my partner loves me a lot at the same time. My boss is a bully, and she is doing her best. I fail to meet the expected deliverables, and I am also just human. These examples are examples of two things being present or true at the same time, a both-and argument instead of an either-or situation. Rich Litvin, a prosperous coach and author, has shared a life-changing question that prompted him to leave his profession as a teacher and assistant principal when he was asked what he really wanted to do, and he said, I would love to make an impact, but I also want to be able to provide for my family. And the person next to him asked, what would it look like if you did both? And the rest is, as they say, history. With that simple question, there was an invitation for Rich to do not just one or the other, but both. Another thing that you want to be mindful about is the use of absolutistic language like always or never this type of language leaves little room for nuance. What you want to do, besides trying to perhaps eliminate the use of that kind of language altogether, is to try and be more specific and factual. Instead of saying, always, you could say, in that situation, when you did that thing, I felt confused, threatened, disrespected, etc. This is more factual and more specific which might prevent the other person from feeling generalized, judged, unseen, and misunderstood. Another thing to do when you fall into the trap of using absolutistic, generalized language is to look for exceptions. For example, when you catch yourself thinking that this always happens to me, you can try and remind yourself of times when it wasn't always so. This helps you build flexibility and learn to lean into the greyness of things rather than the black and white. When you can lean into the nuances of grey, both you and life in general can become way more fun, as Mark told me.
0: Yeah, what's coming to mind for me there is that when we embrace that gray and, and recognize that there is that isn't anything that needs to get fixed. Life becomes a lot more fun. Right? It's, it's, a, it's a lot more it's a lot more enjoyable. As, as that high achiever that's always looking at things black and white, right and wrong, it's a lot of stress, right? It's, it's hard to live up to my own expectations, let alone expectations that I think other people might have. And so when I embrace that gray and get more comfortable in the gray, I'm a lot more relaxed. I'm a lot more, a lot more fun. I have a lot more fun. I'm probably a lot more fun to be around too. (laughs) You know, really thinking about it. And it is, it's all in that just, yeah, embracing the gray and recognizing that, yeah, we're not, we're not in need of being fixed.
1: One of my favorite ways to handle black and white thinking or even perfectionism is to use a scale. This moves the reasoning from two polar opposites into a more balanced and nuanced reasoning. The physical structure of scales, along with the numbers used to calibrate them, encourages us to think in a careful and measured manner, rather than in broad and undifferentiated terms. The goal is not to get hung up on numbers, but rather to approach two-sided issues as matters of degree and balance. Imagine a straight line and at one end there you have the one extreme and on the other end you have the other extreme and in between there is a 10-point scale. Sometimes it's easier to imagine a volume knob, something that you'd find on an old hi-fi system for example, where if you turn the knob up the volume increases or decreases if you turn the knob down. Now, imagine that you have perfection at the top end of the scale, or volume knob, and at the very beginning of the scale you have sloppiness. Ten means perfection, and one means sloppiness. Then, ask yourself, what would things look like if I turned down the volume to seven? Or, what would the outcome look like if I had graded it a seven on the scale? Or perhaps an eight? Or why not a six? Here's another example. People are either good or bad. Put bad on one and good at ten. Now, when you meet a new person or you bring an individual to mind, you can perhaps see how they might not completely fit at either end of the spectrum, but rather somewhere along and within it. This simple yet effective shift in perspective can help you let go of the extremes and lean into the gray although this style of thinking requires more effort and may not be as immediately satisfying as categorizing a two-sided issue and seeking a simple solution it is considerably more precise and constructive when used effectively scales such as these offer an antidote to black and white thinking and finally i said earlier that black and white thinking gives a distorted picture of reality another way to say this is to say that when you judge things with the simplicity of either or you are not seeing what is actually true that things are rarely that black and white in fact life happens in the grey. When you are unable to see things for what they truly are, nuanced and rich, you are in conflict with reality, with what is. And this is causing you to live in conflict with the force of life. It is preventing you from being in a state of thriving, in harmony with the present moment. Most people that I meet agree that thriving is nicer than merely surviving, yet, when you are too quick to categorize things, pass judgments and make conclusions in the pursuit of predicting in order to protect, you end up in conflict with what is, and you either fight, flee or freeze from the reality you're in. At the end of our conversation, Mark told me about the importance and the impact of acceptance.
0: We get to create our life. We get to accept the fact that this is possible for us. And that you know that, that acceptance then I think also plays into the needing to be fixed, needing there being broken. When we accept that we are not needing, needing to get fixed, we are not broken, and we accept that we can do something to create our life and i would argue that what we need is love right and and a lot of times that might be self-love and if we can love ourselves love those that are around us we'll very quickly realize that none of us need fixing none of us are broken and we can embrace that and and really express more kindness in our world express more love in our world and just really be able to uh, to lean in and make a difference.
1: I want you to embrace the in-between. I want you to be open to what is and to what could be. I want you to remember that the opposite of judging and categorizing is to be curious. What if you were already whole? What would you do? What if you already had all the answers that you seek? What would you do next? What if you couldn't fail? What would you do? What if you were enough, loved and belonged no matter what? What would you be free to do? What if taking a chance was a 10 on the scale and doing nothing was a 1? What would a 7 look like to you? If you want to connect with Mark or find out more about him, You'll find the links and ways to do so in the show notes to this episode. Thanks for listening to Inside the Comfort Zone with me, Adam Kowalik. And I'll be back next week with another regular episode. If you like the show, please follow and rate it on Spotify. And if you have a friend who you think should hear what we spoke about today, please share it with them. The best way to get the episode as soon as possible is to subscribe to Inside the Comfort Zone via Spotify or whatever podcast app you like to use. Check out some of the previous episode by visiting insidethecomfort.zone. Visit the website insidethecomfort.zone or click the link in the show notes for a chance to send me your questions and feedback as a voice message. And with your permission, if it's valuable for our listeners, your content might be featured in an upcoming episode. Inside the Comfort Zone was brought to you by Adam Kowalik, life coach, speaker and author on a mission to redefine personal and professional development. Thank you for being you and please keep it up. Talk more soon.